Ireland's Caskets Radio. Well, Def Leppard are back on the road and I caught up with Joe there, uh, Joe Elliott, the other night from my attic. I can barely hear what you I can barely hear what you're saying. It sounds like an alien. <laughs> oh, wow. Now yes, you've sir. come alive. Joe, I was just saying to you there, I'm trying to hide all the dirty laundry in the background because you're catching me at home now. Me too, <laughs> but this is not my laundry room, so I'm okay. <laughs> it's dirty drawers in the background there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it could be a lot worse. I remember seeing somebody on Sky News and they had, um, let's call it politely a sex toy on the shelf behind them. And they, the, the lady had no idea it was on display. <laughs> God, did she even know that's what it was? Do you know the way people get a gift or an ornament from a different country and they don't even know what it really is? No, he well could have been one of those, but maybe yeah. not. <laughs> well, it's good to talk to you today, Joe. I kind of thought I was seeing things, though, when I saw a poster for Def Leppard, Motley Crue. I was like, what's going on here? Oh, yeah. Well, we've been touring with those guys since last summer. It was due to happen in 2020, but with the pandemic and, and all the cancellations of, of everything around the world, we had to postpone it till 21, and then that got postponed again. So eventually we managed to get back out on the road in June of 22, but we'd got a new album under our belts by then, which was amazing because we recorded Diamond Star Halos during lockdown and we were able to promote a new album instead of just going yeah. around playing legacy songs or whatever, you know, greatest hits tour, that kind of thing. So it was, um, you know, we did 36 shows in and around the States last summer. We've just did um, eight shows in South America and we've got six and a half weeks around Europe coming up, starting uh, 22nd of May in Sheffield. So Marley Park on July the 4th. And yet you look as fresh as a daisy. Thank you. Um, I don't always feel that way, especially at 8 o'clock in the morning when my kids get me out of bed. But uh, yeah, you know what? We work very hard to get to where we are right now. And a lot of that is self-preservation, looking after yourself, go to the gym, eat better, don't drink too much, you know. I don't smoke, so, you know, I mean... It's a very responsible position to be in where this band is right now. And everybody in the band knows each individual responsibility that they 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 got to look after. So mine is to be able to try and sing as best I can and uh, look after myself. So, you know, I'm 63 now and it's... Um, it gets harder every day, but it, that's the challenge. The most clean living rock stars. You're not out in nightclubs at six in the morning, then, no? Not anymore, but I have done my fair share. And I, I wouldn't, <laughs> it's not, you know, I mean, look, these days, it's it's just responsibility. If you've got six weeks off, somebody invites you to a gig, you might go to a gig and, and drink a bit too much, like I did at Duran Duran last May. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of like a, a one-off these days as opposed to an every night. I know. I'm just not able anymore. Yeah, if you can recognise when it's, it's time to not do it, then you're doing well, you know. And yeah. somebody has to nudge you and tell you that's when you you have to kind of reevaluate your life. I'd much rather sing well and write songs and do the gigs and all that kind of stuff because everything else is just superfluous to why we're all here in the first place. And mm. our job is to make music and preserve our reputation as best we can, you know, and and entertain people. And that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do. So we're Classic Hits Radio and uh, we're all about these songs. And you mentioned there about going to Duran Duran last May. Who would have been your top band in the 80s that you were a fan of? Well, I, without being a sycophantic uh, person, I would say in the 80s, it'd have to be you too. It really would, you know. I remember when we were starting to promote um, Hysteria and I think it was the first time I was in the States and I saw the video for Where the Streets Have No Name and just thinking, wow, they've knocked it out of the park again. You know, because Pride was a big hit and the lead-off song. And when I first saw the video for uh, Where the Streets Have No Name, you know, the whole, you know, shall we shut this gig down on the roof and the police and all that kind of stuff. 
it was, you know, it's very reminiscent of the Beatles, but it was just very exciting. You know, I thought um, I, I liked a lot of, of what they did. I also thought that Synchronicity by the Police was one of the greatest 80s albums. Um, but also the entire catalogue of Kate Bush, the entire catalogue of Peter Gabriel. There was a lot of great music in the 80s. And the 80s gets vilified quite a lot. But if you dig slightly under the surface, some of some of the nasty disco nonsense, there was some fantastic 80s music. There really was. Um, but I think you two would be top of the top of the pops for me. And Def Leppard's music is now known by a much younger audience than before because of streaming and that. And you mentioned Kate Bush there as well. So many young people know Kate Bush because of Stranger Things. Of course, I think it's the first time the song's been released. But are you seeing this at the gigs, Joe? The audience getting younger? Yeah, well, uh, the audience is getting bigger. That's because the older ones and the middle ones are being joined by the younger ones. So it swells 10,000 to 15,000. It, it swells 15 to 20 and 20 to 40, that kind of stuff. I mean, we were doing insane business in, in, in the stadiums in, in America last summer. Um, in South America, you know, 56,000 in Mexico City and stuff like that, and 30,000 in Bogota. It was just crazy, you know. Um, but yeah... I, you know, and I'll never forget, I was somewhere in the States in 1981 when we were just really starting out. And some guy had just seen the video for Start Me Up and said, oh, I just found this great new band called the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, my God. You know, it was like their first kind of video on MTV. So somebody that had been living under a rock had never heard the Stones in the 60s or the 70s. Um, I saw the Stones live at the end of the 80s, and I'll never forget thinking, I hope this happens to us, when I looked over to my right and saw three generations of one family. You could tell it was son, his son and his dad, if you like. And they were all singing along with Satisfaction and Jumping Jack Flash. And I remember yeah. thinking, I hope this happens to us one day. And it has, it's happened, you know, because we've stuck around, we've gone through the turbulence, We've gone through what you might want to call the wilderness years and through streaming and through working really hard, playing live a lot. We um, we turned it around and, and we're kind of actually doing better business now than we were when Steel was actually in the charts. So it's crazy. You know, it's it's like yeah. when you see the tickets go on sale for Billy Joel at the Aviva and it sells out. You're thinking, how? But it's because there's a hell of a lot of fans that are kind of under the radar. They don't make a lot of noise on social media but they're always just waiting to pounce on a ticket. You know? I am laughing here because as you talk about the younger audience, I've just been joined in my attic by a member of your younger fan club. Come in here. All I heard in the background of this interview has been Mammy, Mammy, Mammy. Yeah. Hello there. <laughs> this is real life post-COVID, you know. Yeah, this is, re- this is real life. <laughs> I mean, we did it the entire album. from We did the, the Diamond Star Halos album entirely at home. And glued it yeah. together after the fact, you know. So you make slight adjustments in your life and some of them turn out to be quite positive and it looks like yours is pretty positive too. Well, get the room there for a second. I'm talking to a rock star. Some of the numbers that I've read you've played are just unbelievable. Do you ever think to yourself, how have we achieved this level of success? Well, I suppose there's, there's, there's a little bit of everybody that goes like, this is actually quite incredible, you know. But then mm-hmm. the other side of you, which it's not really ego, but it's, it's drive, I suppose. You go... Yeah, well, we've worked hard. We deserve it. Why shouldn't it happen to us? If it happens to Stevie Nicks or if it happens to Fleetwood Mac or the Eagles, it happens to any any band that you want to name that's come through some different times, difficult times, and come through the other side, 
um, out of the aforementioned turbulence, um, <clears throat> you think to yourself, well, we've worked really hard, so why not? It's not, this is not luck. This is not winning the lottery. Yeah. This, is working. this is climbing Mount Everest, you know. It's a, it's a vocation. I wouldn't want to climb Mount Everest. It's too difficult for me. It's not anything I'd be remotely interested in. But trying to climb to the metaphorical top of the musical Mount Everest, I'm all on board for that, you know. Um, yeah. And it's all I've ever wanted since I saw T-Rex, in 1971 and and that was me that's all i wanted you know mom i want to be a rock star don't be so daft and then all of a sudden she's keeping a scrapbook six years later you know? <laughs> and how's the health after being hospitalized in colombia was that just a fleeting illness yeah it was it wasn't even an illness it was yeah. altitude sickness so when you know when the room spins around when we used to drink <laughs> that without the drink you know altitude sickness is a kind of like vertigo it's, it's lack of oxygen to the brain and to the whole body really and I just felt really ill. And so they took me to hospital and they kept me in for observation. I came out of there full of fluids and uh, I didn't even need pain. I wasn't in any pain. I was just incapable of standing up straight, you know. Um, yeah. But they did all the tests and everything from head to heart was in good shape. And the following night I went on stage and I had one of the best gigs I've ever done. We both did something right. I mean, I, I did the right thing by going in. And they did the right thing for me by looking after me well. It was kind of funny, though, because when I went on stage, there's always a lot of cell phones out when you get on stage, but I've never seen so many because it had leaked into the press. So I think a lot of people were just waiting for me to fall over. But, you know, because Bogota is 8,500 feet above sea level, and I've lived at sea level all my life. I've, I've been to Bogota many times, and this has never happened. It just happened yeah. this one time. We were in Mexico. It didn't happen. And that's six and seven thousand feet above sea level. The next yeah, day we were in Peru and I was back to normal again. I mean, it's not like a nine to five where you can get away with ringing and sick. If you don't do a show, the chaos that ensues. Well, I was lucky this happened on the day before the gig. So I was I was fine. But I did. I did. Make, it did make me wonder about like, for example, Taylor Hawkins died in the hotel we were staying in in Bogota. Oh, wow. So I was thinking, I wonder if altitude had anything to do with his passing, because a lot of people, it doesn't affect them, but our production assistant lives in Bogota, and she says, dude, I get this sometimes, and I've lived here all my life. So it can just hit anyone randomly, and it hit me like a slap in the face, but um, I was fine next day. Right, so predictions for the 4th of July, Joe, Marley Park, the song that will go down the best with the Irish audience. What do you think? Oh, I, well, I'd like to think all of them, <laughs> but that's because I'm greedy. Um, I don't know. It's difficult because you see, in the stage, Sugar was huge. And in Europe, it's become a huge song. But Hysteria, I think if, if you look at the streaming numbers, which we get sent every week, um, obviously Love and Eight Collide was a huge hit here. It was a number one in Ireland, you know. Um, Let's Get Rocks was a huge song here as well, um, more so than, say, in the States. So we've had hits like Rock of Ages and Photograph, which were huge in America, but not so much in Europe. And then we've got songs the other way around, which is like, you know, Let's Get Rock, Love and It Collide, Animal. It's really hard to know. And uh, let's hope they, they all get the same kind of response. It'd be nice if it was if it was like 10 out of 10 for 90 minutes, you know, that'd be amazing. Great. We're looking forward to it. Cannot wait to see you in action. My pleasure. Anytime. See you. Yeah, bye bye. Look bye after bye. that kid now. Look after that kid. I'll have to go feed her now. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so there you have it, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard chatting to him from my attic and uh, yeah, joined by uh, the mini member of the family. <laughs> that is real life, isn't it? It's Ireland's Class Kids Radio.